for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Megan Pardue, Communications Coordinator at the City of Stillwater. So what are we talking about today, Megan? Today, we're going to chat with Mayor Will Joyce. So here's a little bit about his background. He was elected to his first term as mayor in April of 2018, and his term will expire in April 2022. So he was originally elected to seat one on the council in April 2016. Will grew up in Stillwater. He graduated from Stillwater High School in 1997 and from Oklahoma State University in 2001. Go Pokes! Will and his wife Rochelle moved to St. Louis where he earned a law degree from Washington University. He currently serves as general counsel at Interworks, a Stillwater-based technology consulting firm, and any of his free time is spent usually helping out on youth sports teams, proofreading book reports, and an occasional bike ride. What a life. I shared the book report uh, proofreading. I just got through doing that myself. I, th- I think he has four children as well. So let's bring on our mayor and uh, welcome to FYI welcome. Stillwater. This Thank is you your all for having me. This is your first visit here. This is my first time on FYI Stillwater, and it's, uh, I think, also my first podcast ever. If you've done a podcast, it didn't retain in your memory. I, no, I don't think I've ever. Uh, I don't think I've ever been on anybody's podcast. I've All done right. some radio spots, but but no podcasts we until brought today. Our um, our first fan on has actually been our guest, and so it's Father O'Brien at the Catholic Church. Oh yeah. So he was saying really nice things about us. So we brought him in here to say it on record. So excellent. It was pretty fun. Um, we've had uh, most of the department heads as well yeah. have come in and, and done this. So. Anyway, so we usually start by um, asking a lightning round of random but revealing questions. So today, you're going to be the first one to just say, choose one. So Brave. You guys have a list of like 400 questions yes, here. Yes, so we I'm, do. I'm, uh, I'm a little nervous which one you're going to pick. But. All right. All right. I've got one picked out. So what is the worst thing you've ever purchased and why was it so bad? Oh, goodness. The worst thing I've ever purchased... That's an excellent question. I did a project one time. I like to try to barbecue and, and uh-huh. like smoke meat Very uh, when I have time. Uh, I have an electric smoker that my, my father-in-law bought me uh, a long time ago. And I decided that I wanted to try to make a cold smoker to go with it. Uh-huh. So, you know, normal mm-hmm. barbecue, hot smoked. Uh, uh, and so I bought um, a metal trash can and some grates and I spent a Saturday in my garage in St. Louis trying to build a cold smoker so I could take smoke from here and make things like Canadian bacon and, mm-hmm. and mm. smoked fish and right. cheese. I'm hungry right now. Uh, it was uh, it was a very ambitious project. I probably spent $150 on all the little pieces that I was going to do to make this cold smoker. I put it together and used it one time. Did it actually work? It it worked. Um, it did. It worked. I, I smoked a, a pork loin to try to make Canadian bacon. It took forever. Mm-hmm. Sit Trying to do cold smoking on your porch in St. Louis in the summer uh-huh. is bad because you want it to be cold. Actually, you've got a piece of raw meat sitting <laughs> in there and you, you don't want it to be 80 degrees in your, yes. in your cold smoker. So that, yeah, that was a, a whole lot of little bits and pieces that I bought to try to make that project work and, and used it once. And it's 
probably not the worst thing I've ever bought, but uh, that's the that's the worst thing that comes to mind right now. So how to taste? You, you get started and it's like, oh, I need this. Now go back to the store and I need this. Yes, no, I, I need this. Yes, that was yeah. one of those five or six trips to to. Uh, Lowe's or Home Depot or wherever uh, over the course of a Saturday. So yeah, not only was whatever I ended up spending on that project pretty much a waste, uh, it was a, a whole Saturday wow. in my garage. I mean, it was fun to do. Uh, and I, I enjoyed doing those kinds of little things in those projects, but that was one of those that a lot of time and effort that went into <laughs> something that really didn't work out. The The Canadian bacon that, that I did uh, was good. It was, I mean... It wasn't worth the money and time that we put into it. But yeah, I mean, I really wanted to do like cold smoked salmon and make yeah. locks mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff with it. And and it was just one of those things that once you're done with it, once you've got this all put together, you kind of look at it and go, mm, yeah, probably not going to use that again. That's yeah. so fun. So are you a, like a master uh, barbecuer? I mean, is this uh, a no, not a master barbecuer. I, I I enjoy it, and you know, with an electric smoker that mm-hmm. you can just sort of set, and I mean, you don't have to worry about it too much. Uh, I can you know, make pulled pork or ribs or something that are worth I'm eating. I'm thinking like our next pop-up city hall is we bring the smoker out. We bring yes. it out? Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's probably a bad idea. I think there's some, probably some health codes that wouldn't, uh, yeah. we okay. wouldn't want to deal with. We'll put that on the back burner for right now. Um, instead of asking some random ones, uh, questions to learn more about you, we'll ask some very specific ones. So why did you decide to run for mayor in the first place? What was the, the beginning of that? You know, it was um, it was kind of a long decision process. You know, getting into city council in the first place, and then and then deciding to run for oh, the yeah, mayor. Oh yeah, because you were you were a counselor first. I was, yeah. So and and actually, the, my first attempt at city council was back in 2015 when Gina Noble was first elected mm-hmm. mayor, and her seat was up for appointment. Which they, the right. city council had to appoint somebody to fill her seat uh, for I think the last year of, mm-hmm. of her term. Uh, and I initially applied for that, uh, that seat kind of as a, oh, that seemed, you know, I, uh, the idea of having to run in an election never, right. ha- never has appealed to me, still doesn't. But, you know, I thought, oh, that's, you know, you can just apply and, and, you know, see how it goes and, and maybe get that seat without having to go through mm-hmm. the whole election process and see how, right. you know, see what it's like. Because I had been paying attention for the last couple of years that I had been, since I'd been back in town, we got back in 2011, you know, and it was just something that I, I have four little kids and, you know, we, we had specifically moved back because we wanted to be in Stillwater and we wanted to make this kind of our long-term home uh, for the future. And, you know, I'd been involved in some, some nonprofit boards and, and been kind of paying attention to stuff happening in town and, and felt like it was a good position for me to be able to serve, you know, sort of my skill set and background. I felt like it would be a good fit for me. Um, to try to help out in that way and to, to help, you know, sort of spur some new development, new ideas, new sort of direction for Stillwater. You know, because I, I, as you said earlier, I grew up here, went to college here, and then moved away for 10 years and spent 10 years in St. Louis. It was, uh, it was kind of interesting when I came back. It really felt there had been a lot that happened. Certainly downtown had right. changed a lot mm-hmm. in those 10 years, but a lot of Stillwater still felt pretty similar to what it was when we left. And honestly, pretty similar to what it was when I was in middle school or junior high here, right? There, there wasn't, hadn't been too much of a, of a change. And there seemed like there was a lot of potential for Stillwater. So that was kind of the impetus of getting involved. I applied for that seat, didn't get it. The city council at the time made the eminently correct decision to appoint Elaine Zanotti at that time, uh, which was definitely the right decision. She's, she's been fantastic. But after that, Joe Weaver's seat was going to be open that next year. And, and uh, we spoke and, and he encouraged me to run for that. 
that seat in the actual election. So mm-hmm. that was a, a difficult decision because the idea of running for things was not something I was particularly interested very in. outgoing? Uh, going out and speaking and shaking hands? I'm really ladies. an introvert at heart, though. Are I don't you? really, it takes a lot out of me to go out uh, and do those those sorts of public things. I, I don't mind doing it. I'm not shy necessarily. I'm not, you know, I don't mind speaking, but it's uh, draining for me. And, and campaigning. I mean, the whole idea of, you know, what we see political mm-hmm. campaigns, you know, and this was early 2016 in the beginning of a presidential cycle, you know, and everything you, you see exhausted. just yeah, from political stuff, it just doesn't. I see that being really overwhelming going in. Yeah. You just look at it and think, do I really want to mm-hmm. get involved in something like that? So at the time, you know, there was a, another person who had signed up to run for that seat, but she didn't really campaign. It mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't much of a, an actual race there. So it was actually good kind of an introduction. I, I did have to campaign and did, you know, have an election and and that sort of thing, but it wasn't a, an active campaign, mm-hmm. really. So it turned out being, being okay. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you first started on council, what surprised you most about how the city operates or how council interacts with yeah. the, the actual city running at the city? That's a, that's a really good question, and, and it, it was, a, uh, I think, a really eye-opening experience, even for somebody who had been paying attention right. and coming to meetings. And you know, I think I came to almost every council meeting for – a year and a half or so before I actually I came on the seat. On Twitter yeah. and you ask a lot of questions. <laughs> so it's like, oh, there he is again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I felt like I wanted to, to kind of get a sense of what it was like and, and what was actually happening and what the council right. actually had to do and all that sort of thing. And so I felt like I had a pretty good handle on it coming in. Um, but I think the most surprising thing really was just the volume and, and the, the variety of mm-hmm. issues that the council deals with because we sit both as the city council right. and as the, the Stoder Utilities Authority Board and the Stoder Economic Development Authority Board. And there, there's just a lot of stuff right. that, that happens, everything from sort of day-to-day city maintenance and, and you know, buildings and all that kind of stuff through the police and fire and, and then the SUA and the utilities. And there's a huge variety of issues that, that the city collectively as a municipal government deals with and that the council has to kind of learn about. And yeah. so, yeah, the, the, the both volume and variety of knowledge that I had to try to pick up was surprising, even even having kind of been paying attention right. for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it took me about, I've been here for 10 years, and I just now feel I understand how everything works, you know, and, and all of the uh, services that we do and how mm-hmm. and why we do certain things a certain way, because it really is, it's a huge learning curve. you got to be and, a jack of all trades. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you also have to take care of the budget. I mean, you guys yeah. decide where the money's spent, so you have to learn it really quickly. I had the luxury of uh, learning it as it <laughs> popped up. Well, yeah, I mean, that you get elected in the spring. I mean, you're, we're already in the middle of a budget cycle at that point, and, and actually just at the point where you're voting on or having just voted on. I mean, I can't remember when that actual final vote takes place, but it's right there kind of in that same spring cycle. So you've kind of got to be up to speed. By the end because of April. It, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, the vote is right then. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you know, you're talking about $30 million in, in mm-hmm. sales tax revenue that you're trying to figure out, you know, then all the SUA budget stuff. And there's a, a large volume of, of decisions that you're making in that process and a short time to kind of get get yourself to a place where you feel comfortable making them right i mean because you can you you know everybody comes up and starts making the presentation and it's so much data and the the budget book is pretty big too you know and and then you start realizing you know you gotta you're thinking of you know the salaries and anticipating you know and and the money is assumed 
that we're going to make this much in uh, sales tax or yeah. we're going to make. So you don't even have like real money to budget. It's like yeah. all assumptions. So yeah, it's a, it's, it is difficult. And yeah, that, that budget process, which, you know, we'll probably talk some more about, but I mean, one of the things that you, you figure out early on is that, you know, from a business perspective, I work at a private business as my day mm-hmm. job and, and we worry about revenue and then expenditures. And, but we have a lot more I f- it feels like we have a lot more control over right. the revenue side of the, the mm-hmm. house, right? If revenue is not looking good, you know, we, we make changes or we do things to, to go increase that revenue right. stream or figure out how to do that. At the city, it is a whole lot harder. We have so, such a small amount of control over our revenue streams, right? I can't go force people to go spend more money in Stillwater right. to increase their tax base, right? We, we rely on businesses mm-hmm. to do a great job selling things in Stillwater so that we get that tax revenue. But it is a, an interesting dynamic in our budgeting process because we do have such little control over the revenue streams and what we can bring in. And, and so then we just have to figure out, okay, well, what do we have to spend? What do we think we're going to have to spend? And then try to prioritize all of the different areas where, where the city municipal uh, services need to be offered. Because yeah. a lot of people assume we get property tax and that you just raise the property tax mm-hmm. or, you know, just raise the sales tax, not realizing that we have to go to a vote, vote of the people sure. and that some things are just mandated. We can't cut them out of the budget. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that under kind of the city council that that you've been leading is this push for civic engagement. Mm-hmm. So how important is public feedback on the budget or transportation or any of the topics yeah. that uh, is under the city? It's really important. And I think there's a couple of different um, aspects to the civic engagement piece that we've been pushing um, the last couple of years, really. You know, one is that is the education piece, right? right? Because like I said, I mean, as you come into council, even someone, you know, like me, who's been engaged and been kind of paying attention, there's a lot of what happens here that we don't really know about. And I know if, if I didn't know about it, and even, you know, now in my role, People ask me questions and I go, you know what, I, I don't really know about that right now. Let me go figure it out. There's so much that happens here that we as a community don't understand well or, you know, don't necessarily know how how it works behind the scenes that, you know, we as a council, I think we have the responsibility to help educate the rest of the community about how this works. I mean, that's one of the reasons in a representative form of government that we're put in these positions because people, you know, want us to go do that work and figure out, okay, what's going on? And then we want us to communicate it back, right? I think sometimes we act uh, in a black box of some kind where, where we sit in our seats on the horseshoe and just go, okay, well, we learned about this and now we'll make a decision and we'll tell you what our decision is. We want it to be much more educational and open with folks to say, okay, not only are we getting this information, we're gonna let you know what that information is and explain to you what the process is that we're trying to decide about and then when we make a decision, it's not just the decision, it's a decision based on all this other information that, that we've tried to disseminate. So educating the public on those issues, I mean, like you said, there are a lot of folks who don't really understand the revenue streams of the city, don't know that we don't get property tax, they don't understand that that sales tax is really the, the only general fund operating revenue that we have. You know, <laughs> early on, I can't remember if it was when I was in just in council or as mayor, there's a student Twitter account mm-hmm. that is was very active and had a ton of followers on campus. And they were tweeting about how it was calf fry season in Stillwater and, and oh, the Stillwater police are out and they're writing everybody DUIs because they fund half their city budget right. just off of these DUIs that they write to students, right? And, and there was this whole conversation happening on social media about how the city of Stillwater depends on basically DUI and public Mm -hmm. intox tickets off of students in Stillwater to fund city services. And I was sort of, I mean, I understand that there's a little bit of hyperbole there and and they're just kind of complaining, but I jumped in and said, let me help you guys understand what 
fees and fines and that sort of thing, how much that actually contributes to our budget because it's 1%. I mean, it's a very small percentage. And honestly, with DUIs, the state gets half of that, most of that revenue. And so having that conversation with people and explaining to them the way you think it works is not always the way it actually does work. Just educating and helping people understand that I think is a huge part of what we need to be doing from a civic engagement standpoint, because then when a decision is made, people have a better understanding of why certain things were were done the way they were and, and they get it. So I think we have to help people understand just the lay of the land so that when we do get feedback, when we can ask, okay, so what do you think? we should be spending money on. So what are, what are your budget priorities? What you know, if you don't understand the revenue streams, you don't understand right. the the base, then it's it's really hard to make those decisions. So we need to educate people first. We need to get that information out there. I think our our finance folks have been doing a fantastic job of updating yeah, our, our really budget made reports. A, a change with Christy Cluck, you know, stepping mm-hmm. up into that role is explaining this stuff. Last year with the strategic plan, we included better education tools on how the budget works, what the budget cycle is. And then at council the other night, she had the first quarterly report mm-hmm. where she explained where the money you know, where our finances are at this point. I think that was a really important tool, too. It was great. The quarterly um, sort of update was fantastic. And honestly, while we were sitting there, it kind of struck me. I've served on other nonprofit boards here and in other in other places. But one of the things you do as a nonprofit board every month, you get the financial report. And I was on the finance committee at my church. And, and every month you kind of go into your meeting and you get, okay, here's our budget. Here's how much we spent. Here's how much we brought right. in. And one of the functions every month on a board is to approve that financial report. We don't do that because basically what the city council is, is a nonprofit board. Right. I mean, we're the, the oversight board for the city. It's very similar to serving on the board of the United Way or whatever other entity, but we weren't getting those, you know, I mean, it's not that we weren't keeping track, but we just didn't have that same function where you got to see, okay, we're 25% of the way through the year and our expenses are at 26% of budget and our income is at 23% of budget. And so, Hey, we got to, you know, look Mm -hmm. at these kinds of things and whatever those actually, the numbers are really good for us right now, but it's so important for those kind of advances to be made in the way we communicate this information to the public. We also uh, began uh, a civic engagement platform called Balancing Act last year. And if you've not done Balancing Act, it's a interactive budget. And you can look at the, the city's budget and the revenue, and you can start making decisions. So it's a kind of a sandbox for the citizens to go and play in and kind of move things around. So we introduced it last year. And so uh, we've updated the numbers and we're ready to start publicizing that so people can go in and, and start working on it. But the thing that I really like about it is that it's Like if you want to say, oh, well, the city just needs more revenue, so I'm going to raise taxes. And then a pop-up box will say, oh, you need to go to a vote of the people, and you can't do that. We're continuing to enhance that. Last year, I think when we got the results back, we started really delving into it. You could see that transportation issues, streets, uh, sidewalks, they wanted more money spent Mm -hmm. there. But they had to go go find the money. It was really interesting that where they went, went to find money. So they went to the departments that had the largest budget and pulled money from those departments, but not understanding that the reason those budgets are so large is that they have mandates and they have to have, you know, that money. So the money's really not available to pull into the other departments. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to balance it when you start going in there and moving monies around. It it's really like, shows you how many moving pieces are happening yeah. here. So we really want people to get in there and play with that as well. So on that, we will gather up the, the report and we get it back to council. Mm-hmm. So you do see all of their comments and yep. where they move the money. So it's stuff like 
like that helpful or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love seeing the, the Balancing Act reports from last year's budget cycle because there's a couple of main points you take mm-hmm. away from it, right? So certainly you get to see the areas that the public where they're adding money, where they're right. saying, oh, we got to spend more money on this. Certainly transportation, mm-hmm. you see that a lot. We saw, you know, some in parks and recreation right. kind of areas mm-hmm. where people think, you know, have, have the, the opinion that we need to be spending more money right. in those areas. And I, I think it certainly reinforces for us. I mean, I don't know that there were any where I thought, oh, I didn't, I, mm-hmm. I thought we were doing fine there, right? right. I, mean, I think all those, we kind of look at them and go, yeah, absolutely. It's it's true. We, we do need to spend more money on streets and and on you know quality of life issues and and improving the the overall look and feel of the city. So that's it's great to see that and and be able to see the feedback that people have. It's also was I think really interesting to see where people felt like they could take that from. Seeing the areas where people feel like we need to spend more money is is really important. It's also really interesting to see uh, the areas where people want to take it or feel like right. we could take it, right? Because yeah. I think one of the areas, you know, like you said, you see people just draw from the biggest right. chunks, right? Mm-hmm. Which for us is generally public safety. Right. Uh, the police department, fire department, uh, where we spend a, a, a big chunk uh, of the money that we, we bring in for operations. And, and I, I understand that. You know, I certainly, you know, you sort of look at it and go, well, do we really need to be spending over 75% or 70% of our budget on public safety? Could we trim something there? Right. And like you said, you know, some of that is, is mandated. Like we, we are by law required to provide those services. And so, you know, some of that money we can't. You know, you can look and say, well, do we need to be spending quite as much as we are on certain areas? And I think those are really important discussions to have because I think sometimes, certainly with budgets, I think it happens that everybody's in your home budget. I think it happens yeah. with companies, with nonprofits, with with governments, that once something is in there, once you're spending money on a thing, it makes it really hard to go back and cut anything out of that, right? Sets well, a precedent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you've got you've got kind of that momentum where you go, well, we've always been spending this money on this thing, so well, it we need that. We, yeah, I mean, we clearly yeah. we need that. I mean, clearly we thought we needed to spend that money at some point, so why would we cut it? And those are the really difficult decisions where you have to try to go figure out: is there money in this budget that? Yes, we've been spending it on that thing for the last few years, but could we trim it somewhere? And I, I think those are the those are the questions that I think the public asks the most. Yeah. Uh, where, well, well, do you really need to be spending all that money on that one thing, whatever it is? You know, a lot of times the answer is, well, yeah, we do. Because it is an education mm-hmm. process yeah. as well. It's like why yeah. you can ask the department head why, yeah. and they usually have a really good reason. Or, or it those... could, or it could be something that's like, oh, you know, you're right. We Maybe we should make an adjustment here. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I think that's actually one of the big areas that we were able to affect the budget here in the last couple of cycles when we went back and we started doing some some sort of more investiga- investigation around specific reserve funds. Right. When I try to explain this to people, like I said the city has been very responsible in saving money for the rainy days, right? We, we are in a good financial position because we haven't spent everything we've had every right. year. We've, we've planned ahead in a lot of ways, and so we have money set aside, whether it's in utilities where we've got accounts where if this needs to ha- you know be done we can spend the money we don't have to go raise rates to do it which is a good thing but it's also again like a home budget where you've you know you've said oh, I'm gonna set aside a few hundred dollars every month for vacation or I'm gonna set aside some money for if I need a new washing machine or whatever well you look at that account and you go well I've got twelve hundred dollars in my washing machine fund now probably not gonna buy a twelve hundred dollar washing machine so what if I took a little bit of that money out even though I was saving it for that thing? I could actually take that out and spend it on, you know, because I actually do need some new clothes or my car, you know, I got car repairs now that that have to be done now. And so it's better for me to take it out of that washing machine Mm -hmm. fund than not be able to pay for the the immediate needs. And so 
we were able to trim some of those reserve funds, take some of that money and look at it and say, we've got enough for the rainy day. We've got more pressing needs right now. And, you know, we did put close to 10 million, over 10 million in transportation projects uh, out of that funding where it was really just a reallocation of those resources. Right. Let's also talk about another innovation you guys asked for, the flash vote. Mm -hmm. So how do you think those go? Love it. I love flash vote. Yeah, I think it's been great. I think it's really helpful on these sort of specific questions of Mm -hmm. of public perception and and public opinion. We started it with the The backyard chicken chicken, uh, It's really interesting because you'll go into it thinking, oh, the public must think this. And you could be proven totally wrong because people come out of all of these cracks in the woodwork (laughs) to vote on flash vote. It's just a great tool. People didn't agree with you. Yeah, Yeah. like backyard chickens. Well, it's so easy. I mean, I think in any community, right, you have your your certain circle of people people that you mm-hmm. talk to mostly or you know with an issue like that there are a number of people who approached us very directly that wanted this to be an issue and we're sort of going well are there any other people besides you four or five people who have brought it up that really care about this and so being able to put it out there and I think we've gotten pretty good response rates having been it's really new. really it's uh, we are we only needed honestly about 300 people for it to be uh, statistically accurate mm-hmm. we're well over a thousand yeah. so the audience has responded greatly so whenever we do these flash votes we can see specific areas of town what they think we can also see what the county thinks so you get a really good perspective mm-hmm. on you know what these uh, polling questions are and so our response rate within the first hour like about 75% of the people take the poll right in the in, huh? first hour. They're like, oh, yeah, I've got an opinion. And you can <laughs> see great. them uh, <laughs> kind of jump right in on yeah. that. So we do the polling. We do the balancing act. Mm-hmm. We've added one recently called Speak Up Stillwater. And we're just now really in that yeah. rolling out phase. So if you go to the city's website, that's kind of static information. You can't interact with it. It's the, you know, we'll tell you, you know, this is where we are right now. So this companion piece to the website is called Speak Up Stillwater. And it allows you to go in on specific topics and you can ask questions you can answer polls if it has something to do with a map you can actually drop a pin on a map for example with the um, the floods earlier this year the uh, stormwater team would like to know where stormwater issues were did you have flooding in your yard so you would be able to go to that issue go to the map drop a pin and you could upload a photo saying my yard flooded right here Mm -hmm. or our street had overflow and that way he can gather up all this data for for stormwater issues but on things like recycling or what else is we got you have a fact or fiction page which is where you can go and just ask any question you know target i've heard this rumor about target coming to town is this true yeah we do have a fact or fiction so yeah if you yeah if you if someone's got a a, heard a rumor and they think the city can answer it we'll we'll go find the right answer and post it there so it is a two-way conversation so you can ask questions on the specific issues and the thing that we're able to do with this whenever like um you know like we're polling right now what people think of the husband street Mm -hmm. bike corridor Mm -hmm. and there's actually a survey there so then go in and and do the survey we'll be able to gather up all that data and give it as a report to city council so when you guys start looking at that bicycle corridor 
So if you're for or against, it's a great place to go in and be heard. Yeah. And then all of the reports will go back to council. So Yeah, so in, in my understanding here with Speak Up Stillwater is it kind of helps us consolidate some of the discussion that happens on social media right, right now, mm-hmm. um, for good or bad. Facebook and Twitter and, you know, those kinds of platforms are, there's a lot of discussion that happens. Right. There's a lot of community conversation. You know, the unfortunate thing about it is that it's so spread out. There's a lot of individuals that just post questions, you know, the fact or fiction things, the, the rumor, mm-hmm. oh, I heard this is coming. Well, they may just post that on their personal page or they may post it in some group, but there are multiple different groups of, of Stillwater issues, yeah. you know. And, and we can't monitor and all we of don't, them. You know, I do, I think, as much as I can to try to get and engage where I see people asking those questions on Facebook, and I know other folks in the city do as well, but we can't cover all of those questions. We can't cover all of the discussions that are happening there. So I'm, I am excited to see what Speak Up Stillwater can do for kind of consolidating those mm-hmm. questions. And so when people do have specific issues that they want to bring to the city, they want to respond, we can do that. Now, what I've learned about Facebook and social media, especially, is that a lot of times people aren't really interested in what the response is. They just kind of want to have the conversation, which is fine. And I, I, again, I understand that as well. But But if they want to be heard. Yeah. They're really looking for feedback, really looking for a response, really want to engage with with the city. You know, it gives them a platform to do that where we're going to actually see it and we're going to be able to respond to it. And it's not extra noise that comes with social media. Because every time, you know, sometimes people will tag me on something on Facebook, like, Hey, are you going to weigh in on this? And I'm like, well, this, I didn't know this conversation was happening at all. Like this, I don't, unfortunately I don't spend my whole day just kind of trolling through all the different conversations. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think this is, I'm excited to see, you know, what this what this adds to, to that feedback as well. A, a really good example of how this will end up working is uh, like with the recycle issue. We are going to have mm-hmm. to make some serious decisions yeah. about how the city recycles. So in addition to having this platform to where people could go and talk specifically about, they can ask questions, they can, you know, uh, jump in on some of the conversations there as well, is that you also um, have a task force for mm-hmm. recycling. So what the city will do on the the task force we'll put summaries of you know the task force and you know some of the things that they're discussion so that if even if you're not on the task force you can still be part of this conversation so uh, yeah. so it'll be a really good tool for that as well I think the other um, big point for all of these these sort of engagement platforms mm-hmm. for us and and you've mentioned a couple times that you guys can consolidate and bring bring feedback right. to the council right we can take the task force what mm-hmm. they say we can we can bring the the speak up stillwater comments the huge I think responsibility of the council when it comes to all this stuff is to actually act on the feedback we get from the city. Right. A lot of times what I hear, and I think honestly there we had a, a survey or it may have been a flash vote, you know, because people can put specific comments. I think it was a flash vote. I think it was funny because one of the specific comments was, I'm not going to answer the survey questions because this, you guys aren't going to listen to me anyway. Right which is sort of funny in one sense because you're sort of like, well, you took the time to get on the survey to tell us you're not going to take the survey because you don't think we're going to listen to you, (laughs) which is sort of silly. But but at the same time, it was, I mean, there is a lot of truth in the sense that I think people feel like they talk and we listen, but we don't actually act on what they're telling us. And so, you know, going back to the the chicken survey, Right. I mean, that the results of that were pretty clear that there was a need and, you know, people supported this idea of being able to have a few chickens in the backyard under certain circumstances. And so we as a council passed that ordinance. And I think we have to 
not just be willing to take feedback, mm-hmm. but really be willing to make decisions based on that feedback and let people clearly see and understand that we're not just asking for their opinion and then turning around and doing what we want to do in the first place. Whenever you're at council and you bring that up, the people that's going to come in and speak at the council meeting are the extremes. Like I'm really pro chickens in you know in neighborhoods. They're the advocates. Or I really really don't want that, and you really don't get the middle don't come forward sure. and speak, and so it's so. As a decision maker, sometimes it's really hard. You don't have the data to make a good decision. So by using these civic engagement tools, you know, people that don't want to come to council, they have an opinion and or they want to know more information, but they may be in the middle. So this is where what we're trying to do is help you see what the middle is thinking as well as the extremes. Yeah. Not everyone can make city council meetings. So this is your venue. Yes. Yeah. And and issues like that, you, you know, unless you really care about backyard chickens or in case, unless you really have had a problem with that in the past, you're not paying attention to the subject at all. Like you don't even know it was a conversation happening. And so, you know, we've had those kinds of comments before on city council issues too, right? I didn't even realize you guys were talking about this. Now that I know you are, I have an opinion. And so being able to Mm -hmm. use these kinds of tools to say, hey, we're talking about recycling right now. Right? We're talking about what are we going to do long-term recycling, and we want you guys to understand all of the problems, the pitfalls, the, the struggles, the reasons this is a problem, all that kind of stuff. We need you to understand that, and we want you to know we're talking about it. We want to know your opinion, and you know, we want to make a decision based on what the, what the community feels is the best way forward. Probably the the biggest topic uh, that I see is people talking about the pothole. The traffic lights are not in sync. The sidewalks to nowhere. Where are we going there? So transportation and, and street maintenance in general is, you're right, is, is definitely the most talked about right. issue, whether you're talking about social media or whether you're just talking about people who come up to me on the street or if I go to a right. rotary meeting or whatever it is. The problem with transportation in general is that Transportation projects are incredibly expensive. There's a lot of them to do, and they are really long-term projects, right? They are not the sorts of things. I mean, we could go fill a pothole, you know, real quick, but that that is a really, really short-term solution to a much longer-term problem. The city in general, and I, and I don't like having talking saying you know sometimes saying the city hasn't done a great job of this in the past feels like it's i'm trying to place blame on somebody 15 or 20 or whatever years ago but it's not that i mean i think cities around oklahoma for sure and cities around the country i mean you know sometimes you go people come in and they go oh Stillwater has the worst roads in the world and then somebody else will chime in and go oh i lived in oklahoma city and gosh there you know this is terrible or i lived in california and you should see the roads there or whatever so there's all this conversation that happens it is not a Stillwater only problem right Oklahoma, for sure, because cities in Oklahoma, we're the only state that that forces cities to rely on sales tax for operational funding. And when you talk about operational funding, street maintenance is a huge chunk of operational funding. That is just city operations. All that money comes out of sales tax unless your city passes a bond issue to try to take money out of a property tax for for those kinds of areas. Stillwater hasn't done that. And so all of our transportation funding comes out of sales tax. That is a very rare thing nationwide right. that you would force a city to rely on its sales tax revenue. Because one of the problems with that is when you have poor roads and you have poor infrastructure, you drive sales tax away. You create a vicious cycle where having poor infrastructure drives people to go other places to shop and 
Therefore, then we don't have enough money to actually fix the problem in the first place. So we get this declining cycle. And over the years, it's easier from a council perspective, or sometimes it's it's more popular from a council perspective to support big new projects. Hey, we're going to go build this new road. We're going to add a lane to this street. We're going to spend this money on this new flashy project, not, not thinking or not realizing or just not acknowledging the fact that what we've actually just done is we've created more maintenance burden. We've taken money that could have been used for maintenance and we used it for a new project, you know, something new and flashy and shiny, when really what we probably should have done with that money is just invested it back in maintenance of the roads we already have. So we've got to, we've got to change a, a really a long-term cycle and we've got a long-term problem to deal with. And I think the biggest trouble we have from a council perspective is helping people understand that streets do not get fixed overnight. They didn't get in poor shape overnight and they're not going to get fixed overnight. I think the other problem we have, you know, trying to communicate this to people is helping them understand the funding and how the funding works and why it's such a struggle for us to find this money. We have a half cent dedicated sales tax in the city of Stillwater. All of that half cent that we collect goes to to street maintenance issues and to we've used it almost exclusively for maintenance, uh, pavement management. That generates four to five million dollars a year. We need 10 to 12 to 15 million dollars a year to really do improvements to street quality in Stillwater. To see the change. And we just we just don't have that money. You know I had lunch with um, David Holt, the mayor of Oklahoma City, the other day, and we spoke, you know, about a lot of different things. But one of them was was street maintenance. And if you've paid attention to Oklahoma City, they have a, I think, an eight hundred million dollar street maintenance and, and improvement, not for new projects, but just for improving their existing roads. That's a property tax project. Yeah. That was a, a property tax that they passed to fund their street ma- management program. And Mayor Holt was incredulous and yeah. surprised when I told him. We don't have any property tax dedicated to street maintenance right now. He said they have, I think, 16 mills on their, uh, which would be 1.6% of their property tax in Oklahoma City goes directly to street maintenance projects. We don't have a penny in Stillwater that does that. And and he, you know, he was, uh, he said, I mean, he said, I mean, how could you possibly do that? And I said, we don't do it very well. I mean, we we are behind and we're, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not getting ahead. And so, yes, we've got to expand our sales tax base. We've got to bring new businesses to town that will generate more sales tax for us. But it is impossible to do, you know, we have a $50 million backlog of transportation projects right now. And it's impossible to do that on collecting $30 million in sales tax a year, most of which has to go for pay, to pay for public safety and to pay for all the other stuff we do. So transportation is, I mean, it is a struggle and it is really difficult to help people understand why it is the way it is and why it's not being fixed faster. Uh, we've dedicated as much money as we we could, one-time money, like we talked mm-hmm. about with reall- reallocating some reserve funds, but we've got to find a more stable and long-term funding source for these projects going into the future. And that's something we're going to be talking about a lot over the next year or so. So will you come back to- to FYI Stillwater and keep everybody up to date. Absolutely, with this. absolutely. We'll we'll talk a lot more about transportation and, and all the other topics that we have to deal with. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks for having me. This yes. was fun. Thank you, and well, tune in next time for FYI Stillwater. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org, and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast.